Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study with Pastor John Searcy. Tonight's study will be in the book of Galatians. We invite you to join us at 514 Smithfield Avenue in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. For more teachings, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. You may also contact Pastor John by email at thewayministries001 at gmail.com. All right, so we're going to get started in the study of Galatians. And I, you know, we did finish chapter 5, but I really, really was, the Spirit was prompting me to say, I think we need to revisit a couple of things in there because we went too fast through it. And we're going to have to back up and we're going to have to get into um, chapter 5 a little bit deeper than we did last week. So I want us to turn to verse 16 of Galatians chapter 5. We're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about these fruits a little bit and our desires and the wrong desires. All right. Everybody there? All right. Amen. It says in verse 16, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Okay? Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Okay. When the Holy Spirit is guiding our lives, that does not mean that our sinful nature is not going to crave. Okay? As a matter of fact, we're still going to crave things. But it's saying, let the whole, then you won't be doing what it craves because you're following the Holy Spirit and you're letting it guide your life. See, a lot of people are very, have a misunderstanding of the Holy Spirit. They think it's some mystical thing. The, the Holy Spirit is the teachings of the Word of God. This is what we have to be thinking when our sinful when, when we crave something, we have to what? Go to Scripture. That's, that's what we have to do. Now look what it says in verse 17. See, the Holy Spirit is not something that flies around the room, okay? This Holy Spirit is the Word of God. The sinful nature wants to do evil. And we just, she just did the study on, was it evil, right? What is, what is the definition of evil, though? What would you consider the definition of evil to be? Well, we're going to define it, okay? Profine, profoundly immoral and wicked. And it says, no man is so evil as to be beyond redemption, okay? So we could always get saved from evil. But it could say, a force or spirit embodying or associating with the forces of the devil, that's the definition of it, okay? <laughs> we were driven out of the house by an evil spirit. Harmful or tending to harm. Extremely unpleasant. A force or a spirit. Listen, evil is everywhere, okay? There's many faces of evil. And the Bible tells us clearly that it shows up as an angel of light. So evil appears to be good. But evil is evil. Behind it is something evil. We have to understand that. All right. So we know what that's what it means. Okay, evil. Now look what it says. These two forces. Look, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of the, what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. <clears throat> 
So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. So remember that struggle in Romans 7. I want to do good, but I can't. That try, it's always, good is always in opposition. Evil is always in opposition to good. So every time you try to do good, the evil is going to try to come and take that from you. So you can't carry out your good intentions. That's what it is. The sinful nature inside of us. See, uh, intellectual, we always think that, listen, if I follow the Spirit, I'm going to get taken advantage of. If I follow the Spirit, things it's not, it's not going to be right. Following the Spirit is the opposite of what our evil desires are. Now listen what it says. They're fighting each other. But when you, when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation of the law of Moses. Now, I want to just talk about these things. Our wrong desires versus the fruit of the Spirit, okay? The will of the Holy Spirit is in constant opposition, okay, to our sinful desires. The two are on opposite sides of the spiritual battle. Okay, our wrong desires are evil, destructive, easy to ignite, okay, difficult to stifle, right, once they get going, it's hard to turn them off, right, self-centered, always self-centered, oppressive and possessive, right, decadent, what's decadent? I'm going to define that for you, just so you know what it means. Characterized by or reflecting a state of moral or cultural decline, okay? A person who is luxuriously self-indulgent, okay? Always thinking about self. Luxurious, self-indulgent, a decadent soak in a scented bath. It's a moral or cultural decline, okay? So we have to understand it's a selfish thing. And our wrong desires are sinful, and they're deadly. What does sin produce in the end? Death. And the fruit of the Spirit. Now, let's look at the opposite end of the spectrum. Like, if you want to fight evil, you fight evil by what? Good. The Bible tells us clearly, you don't fight evil with evil, you fight evil with good. So the only way we're going to be able to fight evil in a good sense, and that's only going to be able to be done in the Spirit, in the Spirit of the Lord. We can't fight evil with more evil. Okay? Now, what is our wrong desires are destructive? What would be the opposite of destructive? Would be productive. Right? The fruit of the Spirit are very productive. It produces stuff in us. Good things. Now, what about our wrong desires are very easy to ignite, right? When you get lustful thoughts or cravings, they're easy to go. They're easy to ignite. Right? The fruit of the Spirit is difficult to ignite. We want to do good, but we don't. It's so hard to get it ignited. Can I get an amen for this? Listen to what I'm saying now. Now, our wrong desires are difficult to stifle. It's hard to stop once we start. Once it goes, it goes, and it's hard to shut it off. But the fruit of the Spirit is easy to stifle. It's so easy to get out of the Spirit. It's so easy to do the wrong thing and so hard to do the right thing. Can I get any amen for this? Look, we have to understand that just because we're Christians doesn't make it any easier for us. The thing of it is, we have the power to overcome them evil desires with the Spirit of God, which is the Word of God. Now look it. The, our wrong desires are oppressive and possessive. You know that feeling of oppressive, right? And you get very possessive. Well, the fruit of the Spirit is very liberating and nurturing.
At the whole opposite end of the spectrum. These two forces are constantly battling each other. Now, our wrong desires are decadent, are always all about self. The fruit of the Spirit is uplifting and encouraging. It always tries to see the good in people. Look, when you're in your sinful nature, okay, you know it as well as I do. You find fault with people in the ministry. You find fault with people out there. You find fault with yourself. You're always in constant glass half empty mode. And it's very, very what? Destructive. We need what? That good uplifting spirit. That's why when we gather in church, okay, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we should not be talking bad or drudge. We should be building each other up in confidence, knowing that the Lord has our backs. Because we get enough of that out there. We need what? Encouragement in here. I don't know about you, but there's spiritual warfare going on. It's evil. Listen, people of the world that are following the devil by default are not going through what we go through. We're, we're in a battle. And the battlefield's in the mind. <laughs> you know it, right? Our wrong desires are sinful. The fruit of the Spirit is holy. It's totally different. Our wrong desires are deadly. The fruit of the Spirit is an abundant life. You see, once we get over to the Spirit side, we think that th taking things off us are hurting us. But really, taking them things away from us are benefiting us. We just don't see it because we're in the flesh still. We feel like we're getting something taken away from us. But no, when we get something taken away from us in the flesh, God has given us something in the Spirit that lasts forever. Okay? Inner peace, joy, fruit of the Spirit, so to speak, which we all need. How many of us need patience? Now, I don't see any impatient people in here. I really don't. Well, as far as I know, patience is the fruit of the Spirit. And unless you're born again, you don't have it. And guess what? We're born again, so we have it. All we have to do is start to use it. <laughs> See, having something and not using it is defeating us. You know, we have it. We just are not using it. God has given us all these powers. Listen. Unbelievable. Look. Okay, so now we're going to go to verse 19. It says, When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, we already know all about that, right? Impurity, those are impure thoughts that we have, right? Lustful pleasures, idolatry. What would you consider idolatry? Anything that you put in front of God is an idol, it could be um, something material. It could be anything. Anything that you put in place of God is an idol. Sorcery. What's sorcery? Ooh, that's a scary word, isn't it? The use of magic, especially black magic. Okay? And it all goes back to what? Pharmakeo in the Bible, which is what? Mind-altering, mood-changing chemicals. And you see a lot of that out there, right? You get people under the influence of some of that stuff. You see them on them TV shows. They can't even be subdued. They're like throwing people, five or six people off of them. 
They're like possessed. They can't. You know what I'm saying? They're like it's crazy. Very, it's very, it's very dangerous. This stuff, hostility, quarreling. Look at this stuff. Now, quarreling. Like people say, oh, you know what? We quarrel, but we, you know, we're good people. No, but they're saying it's bad. It's an evil thing to quarrel with people. Look, jealousy. It's evil. Look, everybody thinks the outward things are evil. Like, oh, look at them guys, they're all strung out on drugs and everything. No, look, quarreling is just, it, it, it's not even saying strung out on drugs in here. It's saying quarreling. See, people compare their sinful nature with other sins. Listen, quarreling is evil. Jealousy is evil. Outbursts of anger. Now, I don't know about you, but we talked about this. We have that snap anger. It's like, it's like, not even letting the wick, not even like lighting a fuse. It's just there. It just explodes. You know, like at least if you lit a fuse, you had time to like put it out. You know? Some of us have what they call in the world a short fuse. Heavy short fuse, right? We're e easily, and we all, listen, we all, in certain areas of our lives, we all like that, okay? That's why we need Jesus, okay? So let, don't beat yourself up. We all have these outbursts of anger. It's saying when you follow the desires of your sinful nature. Listen, everybody that's born into this world has a sinful nature. So he's not talking about any one person in particular. He's talking about creation itself because of the fall of Adam. So don't pinpoint it on yourself. This is all creation. We all have this. We all have this sinful nature, okay? So, don't single anybody out. We all have it. Look, lustful pleasure, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition. What's selfish ambition? When doing something for somebody, that's, that there's something behind it that's going to benefit you. You're doing something good, but there's a reason why you're doing it because there's going to be a benefit for you behind it. But it looks good. The Bible tells us, don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing and your Father in heaven will reward you. Right? Now look what else. Dissension. What's dissension? Let's define dissension. Disagreement that leads to discord. Okay? Disagreement that leads to discord. People get in church and they start disagreeing on fleshly things and it leads to discord and unity in the spirit it's called dissension that is in our sinful nature okay we all have it division what's division oh well i i believe in this part of the bible and i believe in this part and then we start chopping up the bible and divide and what we think it should say. And, this, and instead of saying what the Bible says, the Bible says. There should be no division. Listen, there's more unity in the unbelieving world than there is inside the church. Instead of just going by the word of God, every church says, this is the owner's manual and this is what the church goes by. What are in these words, they all chop it up and make their own thing out of it instead of saying look because there is no denominations in the Bible those are human man made things 
What are you? I believe, what, I believe in Jesus Christ. He's my Lord and Savior, and I believe the Word of God. That's me. That's what we believe here. Now look what else. Envy. You know when you get envious of somebody? Say somebody gets blessed in the ministry. Well, how come I didn't get that? I work harder than they do. You get envious of them instead of what? Happy for them. Oh, wow. Adam, amen. The Lord blessed you. My blessings come in too when I can handle it. <laughs> when I can handle it, right? God is good. Look, I, I, I want everybody in here to get blessed. But God blesses people in different ways. Sometimes it's material. Sometimes it's inner. I'll tell you what. I'd rather have an inner blessing than an outward. Because they just fade away. You know, you get a monetary blessing. Yeah, so it just, it's just gone. But the inner peace that you carry with you for the rest of your life of patience and kindness, virtues, right? Look at else. Drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. <laughs> so it's saying drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. So that means that stuff is sinful. As easy as it said. <laughs> Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of a life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, does that mean that I'm not going to heaven? No. It's talking about the abundant life here. Okay? To get to heaven, you believe on the Lord Jesus. That's a gift. It doesn't, de it de doesn't depend on any of this. It depends on your belief. But to get that now, you have to get rid of all this stuff. Your sinful nature has to get crucified so you can enjoy the abundant life today. Because that's what's in the way of living the abundant life. Because when we go to heaven, we're not going to have a sin nature anymore. That's why it's going to be full of bliss. So he's trying to get rid of it now for us so we can have that now. But if you're living that sort of a lifestyle, you'll never be able to have it. There we go. Then I get an amen for that. Now, it says, and look at verse 22. Now, it's not putting anybody's name in here. It's saying the Holy Spirit produces this now. You see, once you get out of the way, once you get out of the way, this is what gets produced. Love. Joy. Peace. In order for this to take place, though, I just want to uh, expand on your sinful nature has to go first. Once that's gone, then this stuff can get experienced because your sinful nature is blocking all this. That's why it's saying that. That's why we have to let the, the Spirit produce this. Now look what it says. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Just imagine waking up one morning and having all that. And guess what? And nothing out there changed. Because guess what? A little newsflash for you. Nothing out there is going to change. If you want to have that, you're going to have to accept what's going on out there and let the Spirit produce this in you. Because that is not going to change. You can't change people, places, and things. That is not going to change. Your perception has to change. And that's the Holy Spirit. 
See what I'm saying? What is it? We can't get out of the way. We can say, oh, once, oh, once this is done, oh, I'll be happy. Once this is gone, or once I deal with this, once this bill is paid, I'll be happy. No, no, no. It doesn't work that way. You wish it worked that way, right? <laughs> yeah, probably to pay one, you make another one, right? All right. Let the, the Holy Spirit produces this. Now, what can I say? What produces this? Renewing your mind. I'm going I'm to give you a definition of the Holy Spirit right now. It says the Holy Spirit produces this. The renewal of the mind with the Word of God is what produces this. The Holy Spirit is the renewal of the mind from what the Word of God teaches us. It's not like, oh, wait a minute. <sighs> Peace, joy, faithfulness, here it all is. And thinking it's going to come that way. You wish it would come that way. Imagine just waking up and that's it, done. It is. When you go to be in heaven, it's going to be done. Thank God we won't have to contend with this anymore. But while we're here, we're going to have to what? Fight against our flesh to get there. It's like that war. <laughs> There's no law against these things. So listen, let me just let me expand a little bit because I love you. Look, I love you. I love you just like I, I, Jesus loves you because I have to. Here's the thing. In order for me to get this, I have to accept everything around me. Understanding that God is in control of it and he's going to work it all out and I can stay out of the way and let him do it. And then I will have peace, joy, and self -control. I'm the problem. You see, I am in getting in the way of God doing that. It is not people, it is not things, and it's not situations. It's me. Once you can come to that conclusion that it's me, then God can do some work in you. Because there's where the humility comes in. Saying it's not them, it's not that, it's me. Oh, I'd be a lot more patient if I didn't have to deal with so-and-so. Right? I'd be a lot more loving if I didn't have to deal with that. I'd be right? All these things. Oh, I'd be a lot better. I'd have a lot more self-control if all this stuff wasn't around me. Well, guess what? You're gonna have to leave the world then. All the vices are here. We live in this country where there's abundance of every wrong thing. That's not going anywhere. You won't be able to get away from it. <laughs> Amen. Well, that's, look, God is rebuilding us. He's rebuilding us one day at a time. The thing of it is we just need to let him do it, okay? And it's going to take the rest of our lives for it to take place. And guess what? We're never going to become perfect. Now look what it says in verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. So you write down all the stuff that's wrong with you, all in your sinful nature. You get it all, put it on a piece of paper, and you nail it to the cross and let it die there. That's what it's saying. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. How hard is it to let the Spirit lead our lives? 
We always react before we think. Right? Consider alternative behaviors or possible consequences. We always react before we even think of any consequences. We, react. we don't stop and think and let the spirit take over. We're always quick to answer and respond. Instead of saying, I'm going to stay quiet right now. The Lord knows. He's saying, I'm in this situation right now. You know, you're talking to yourself saying, I'm just going to stop. That's when you know you've got to let the Spirit guide. The Spirit's response is not usually our first response. Okay? Our first response is the flesh. Zoom! The Spirit's response would be, stop. Think of what God would do, how Jesus would react, and what? Then do it. And then let the Spirit lead your life. We're just so, we're in such a hurry all the time to answer and get things done. And we end, it ends up being self-destructive. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Look what it says in verse 26. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another. You ever, you ever, you know, there's people, I've been around people like this, you know, they throw salt in the wound. You know, you got something and they just love to just set you on fire, you know. You know, you're full of gasoline, they just want to throw the match on you and finish you off. Yeah. Exactly. And guess what? That should not be in here, though. It should not be in the body of Christ. Somebody's coming in here, and their sinful nature's getting to the best of them. We don't stifle. We don't put out the smoke and flax. We pray for them and encourage them, say, it's all right, brother. We've all been there. Let's pray about it. We get out, we'll get through this together as a family. One thing we don't do is lean on each other enough in church. We need each other. That's why God puts us together. Hey, look, I'm struggling. Yeah, you can't fight the devil alone. He'll always win. And the devil wants to get us alone. He loves to get us alone. So he could what? Tempt us. And make us revile back to our old ways of thinking again. But when you're with your brothers, we can stand. Right? In Ecclesiastes, right? A triple-braided cord is not easily broken, right? Two back-to-back -back can stand and help each other and defend each other. But a person standing alone is in trouble. He picks us off. He gets us out of... Listen, this is like the pack. We stay in the pack. You know when people ain't here, you don't have to say where you've been. You already know what happened. The devil got a hold of them, and they took them out. They're being uncontrolled by the devil. So you listen, if somebody's not here, guess what you do? You pray for them. You don't knock them. You pray for them. Say, oh, Lord, help them. Help them overcome the evil one. And you keep praying for them. You see people that are not here, you don't get mad about it. You get sad about it. And you pray and you lament because you know that it's the devil. And you encourage them. And they come back and you just, oh. And you run up to them and you grab them and hug them and say, thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you, Lord, for bringing them home. Thank you for bringing them home. Remember the prodigal? Was it the, his father was standing there with his arms open when he's ready to come home. That's what we're supposed to do. Welcome home.
Not, I told you not to go there. <laughs> That's just what somebody needs when they're down, right? Why didn't you listen to me when I told you? The worst thing you can do to someone is kick them when they're down. That only divides people from the body. They say, you know what? I can get that out in the world. I'm not coming back to church. I'm not coming back to church. Because it's worse in here than it is out there. Can I get an amen for that? Yeah, that's what religion does. That's what religion does. You didn't show up for Bible study. You didn't show up. At, you didn't show up. At, bad. You're bad. No, they're not bad. The devil just has them in a grip. Any one of us can fall. Any one of us at any given time. Look. Let us not provoke one another or what? Be jealous of one another. Amen? I wanted to expand on it because it's so important that we live by the Spirit. And we practice living by the Spirit when we gather in church. This is the practicing ground. And guess what? We, there's a bunch of diverse people here with different kinds of needs. And God says, hey, I'm sending them to you. Practice. Practice with each other. So when you go out there, you can do it for the unbelieving world and they can see Jesus. They can see him operating. Instead of what? Getting into quarrels with people and debates in church with people about issues that don't even matter. That's why we need to be led by the Spirit and not the flesh. Amen? All right, let's go to Galatians 6. I hope I, I come across a little bit better with that chapter 5 because it was important, that chapter. I didn't want to overlook some of the things that can get overlooked real easy. All right, Galatians 6, verse 1. We harvest what we plant. Dear brothers and sisters, we just talked about this, see, because 5, it goes right into 6, and it's talking about the exact same thing I was just talking about. That, that is... Um, confirmation. Dear brothers, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and what? Humbly help that person back onto the right path. Now, you have to understand, if someone is living in sin and not willing to repent of that sin, you cannot do anything for them at that point. That's when you pray for them and you leave them into the hands of God. You cannot restore somebody that is not in a repentive state. When somebody's not willing to repent, you cannot fix them at that point. And it says, be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Okay? Share, look, I just, I just, look, I didn't, I, I just shared this with you. Share each other's burdens. See it? And in this way, obey the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? That's what love does. It shares each other's burdens and it comforts each other. I know that God loves me so much I can go to him with anything. Lord, I'm mad at you. That's okay, John. Talk to me. <laughs> it's like uh, If I say, if you do that with people, oh, I'm mad at you, oh, hey, don't talk to me. God's like, no, I want you to talk to me if you're mad at me. I love you. That's how we should be. 
Look what it says. Share each other. In this way, you'll be able, look, if you think you're too important to help someone, this is where the cockiness and spiritual, this is, this is, this should never be. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. Can I get a big amen for that, right? The only one who's really important is Jesus. I love the Word of God. It keeps everybody at a what? Humble state. It's not me, it's Him. Look, now hear what it says right here. Pay a careful attention to what everybody's doing. Oh, that's not in the Bible. It says pay careful attention to your own work. For then you'll get a satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. See it? For we're all, we are each responsible for our own conduct or behavior. We can't say, well, if you didn't do this, I wouldn't have said that. If, I didn't, if this didn't happen to me, I wouldn't have did that. No. That is off the table. We're each responsible for our own conduct. No more blame game. It was the way I was brought up. It was this. It was that. It was this. Look. If it was something that, look, you deal with it. You deal with it. You don't just let wreak havoc on the world because something happened to you. You know what I'm saying? You have to deal with it and give it to God and, and heal from it. Look, those who are taught the Word of God should provide for their teachers. Hey, there you go. Sharing all good things with them. It's not just provide monetary provide what what God's doing in your life when the guys got together last we were talking about you know how God's working in our lives and it's the real stuff you know that's what it says sharing all good things with them look you know I'm since I've been coming to Bible study things are changing in my life things are getting better thank you the word of God and you encourage the people that are teaching you so they can keep going because this gets hard let me tell you this gets hard Believe me, the, the teachers need encouragement too. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Which God always does. I'm just saying, but we, we need each other, you know. It's just. And we appreciate, you know, God, God is good to all of us. Amen. All I know is this each one of us in this room is just as important as anyone else. Okay? All he is are just as important as me. As a matter of fact, the Bible says the stuff that's least noticed is more important than the stuff that is noticed. Don't be misled, though. Look at verse 7. Don't be misled. Don't let anybody tell you you, you, you can do whatever you want to do and get away with it as a Christian. <laughs> okay? Don't be misled about this. Because people get misled. Oh, you're under God's grace. Don't worry about it. There's nothing you can do. You're going to heaven. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That is the biggest lie that anybody could ever tell you. You will always harvest what you plant. Look what it says. You can't mock, you'll, oh, look, you can't mock the justice of God. You'll always harvest what you plant. Now look what it says in verse 8. Those who live only to satisfy their sinful nature, or satisfy your own selfish desires, 
will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. So can I become a believer and live to satisfy my own self? Yes. He's talking to believers here. It says, if you only live to do that, you're going to harvest decay and death, even though you're coming to church and reading the Bible. You reap what you sow. More than you sow and later than you sow. <laughs> like, look, but those who live to please the Spirit will harvest what? Everlasting life from the Spirit. What does that mean? You know when you do something right, you know. When you do something that's lined up with God that you know that was the Spirit of God. Let me tell you something. You reap such a reward in, inward of doing the right thing. You can't get that any other way. You can't get it from doing the wrong thing. You get it when you do the right thing. You, you, you get that, that sense of well-being and purpose fulfilled in your life. Wow, I overcame my flesh today. And let the Spirit run. Oh, it's beautiful. That's what it says. That's what you reap from it. But see, here's the thing. It's not instant gratification. This comes later when you do the evaluation of the day. You say, hey, you know what? I'm so glad that the devil didn't win today. I'm just so, you know, because, it, see, the sinful nature gets instant gratification. The spirit doesn't. The spirit gets delayed gratification. You see? Now, look. <laughs> now, we'll harvest everlasting life from the spirit. Now, look at verse 9. God was really speaking to me loud on this verse. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. How many of us get tired of doing good when we don't see any result from doing good? The world's not getting any better, and people aren't getting any better. I'm trying to do good, and I don't even think I'm getting any better. Right? Always looking for some kind of reward for doing it. I'm not sensing anything better for doing good. I was just as good as if I didn't do this. But look what it says. Let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a, a harvest of blessing. Think about, you know what a harvest is, right? Somebody plants a crop, and then they get a harvest of blessing. Not just one, a whole harvest of them. People just won't wait on God to get that blessing. Say, I'm not, all right. Uh, enough. I got taken advantage of enough. I can't take it anymore, and that's it, and go back into the selfish, sinful nature again and lose all the blessings because we get tired of doing what is good. But you never get tired of doing what good is good if you do what is good because it's the right thing to do, not to get rewarded for doing it. If you do the right thing because it's the right thing to do, then you're not looking for a reward. You're just doing the right thing. And the reward, look, the reward will come full circle from doing the right thing over a period of time. We just live in a country that's, I was good today. Where's my lollipop? <laughs> Always based on performance, right? If I don't get it when here, I'm not going to be good tomorrow. I'll fix me. I'll be me. <laughs> Can I get an amen for this? We're like little kids. We are. We're like little kids. That's why we need to grow up spiritually. Right? So therefore, 
Look what it says in verse 10. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. And, but it says, especially to those in the family of faith. Even more to our family here. All right, Paul's final advice, verse 11. Notice what large letters I use as I write these closing words in my own handwriting. Those who are trying to force you to be circumcised or follow a bunch of principles and rules want to look good to others. They don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save you. Everybody wants to add something to salvation when nothing has to be added. He did it all. Everything, my sinful nature is dealt with at the cross and that's the only thing I need to deal with it now. I don't need anything else added to what Jesus already did. Now look what it says. And they only want you to be circumcised and can boast about and claim as, uh, you as their disciples. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified. And the world's interest in me has also died. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter whether we've been circumcised or not. Here's what really counts. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. May God's peace and mercy be with upon all who live by that principle, this principle, for they are the new people of God. From now on, don't let anyone trouble me with these things, for I bear on my body the scars that show I belong to Jesus. Look, when you belong to Jesus, you're going to get scarred down here. You're going to get whipped, beaten, persecuted, and you name it. And that's going to be the proof that you belong to him. Dear brothers and sisters, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. And there it is, just in time. Look at that, 8 o'clock. We finished Galatians. Look at that. Amen. God is good. Amen. Thank you, well, thank you very much. We love you all. And Brittany, Brittany and Jasmine are going to come up and sing. And